0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: In every major religion of the world, the teachings, not the teacher, are important. Confucianism is a set of teachings. Confucius is not important. Islam is the revelation of Allah with Muhammad being the prophet. Buddhism emphasizes the principles of Buddha and not Buddha himself. This is especially true of Hinduism. Hinduism has more than 750 million believers and no founder. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. The Hindu religion is open to interpretation and is a collection of paths to wisdom that is based on human reasoning rather than divine authority. In Christianity, conversely, listen, what Jesus taught, please hear me before you judge my comment, what Jesus taught is not the important thing. What Jesus taught is not the important thing. What is the important thing is who Jesus is. Do you understand? That's why people get all caught up in, well, he was a good teacher and he was a good moral man and he taught us all things. Listen, what he taught is really not, although good is not the important thing. It's who he is. Jesus did not just claim to be teaching mankind the truth. He said, I am the truth. Jesus did not claim to be able to show you the way. He said, I am the way. Jesus, listen, did not claim to have life. He said, I am life. What he taught is not the important thing. It's who he is. Jesus didn't claim to be one of many ways. He said, I am the only way. Not one of many. And listen, if Jesus isn't the only way, then he is not any way to God at all. If there are many roads to God, then Jesus is not one of them because he absolutely claimed that there was only one road to God and that road was him. And if Jesus is not the only way to God, then he is not an honest man. And if he is not honest, then why should we believe anything he says? Don't you understand? Think about it. This is basic reason. You know, it was Josh McDowell who said, he called this the trilema, lunatic, liar, or Lord, the trilema. He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Some people are saying you are Elijah. Now remember Elijah because he was a miracle worker. Still others are saying that you are one of the old prophets. Matthew chapter 16 tells us some say you are Jeremiah because Jeremiah was a lamenting, weeping prophet, and some were just lumping Jesus into the prophet pot. Notice in verse 20, though, would you please look at it? The million-dollar question, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Messiah, the anointed one. Now, this, saints, listen, is fascinating. This old, smelly fisherman, probably overweight, hasn't been trained, are you listening? Hasn't been educated, hasn't been to cemetery, I mean seminary. (laughs) Some of these seminaries are more like cemeteries than what they teach. That's another sermon, we'll leave that alone. But he hasn't been to seminary, he's untrained, uneducated, and yet he gives this incredibly deep spiritual and theological answer to Jesus, how? Because in Matthew chapter 16, please read this in your own time. uh, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus said to Peter, Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father, which is in heaven. Jesus says, listen, Peter, this isn't something you analyze and figured out on your own. Peter, this was taught to you by the Holy Spirit. You were taught this by the Holy Spirit. If what you learn is not taught to you by the Holy Spirit, you don't know anything. Some people are really impressed with their degrees, and they've got so many letters that they got the alphabet after their last name. Some folks been in school for 30, 40 years, been to seminary. They've been to every school trying to learn about this book. I can tell you something. The knowledge that is gained from this book is not gained by studying in a classroom. The knowledge that's gained from this book is the, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And if you, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands right there. I'm going to wait. It's by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Peter's an uneducated, unlearned, untrained, fat, smelly fisherman. He doesn't have an M div. And I'm glad he didn't have an MDiv, because if he had an MDiv, that's a master's in divinity. If he had a master's in divinity, he probably would have gave Jesus some theological answer. Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And Peter probably said, would have said, well, you are the eschatological manifestation of the imagno dei. And Jesus would have said, what are you talking about, Willis? I'm a what? You call me what? I'll pop you upside your fat head. No, I mean... Jesus wouldn't have said that. He wouldn't wouldn't have said that. I said that Jesus wouldn't have said that. Peter didn't give Jesus. Are you kidding me? Peter didn't give Jesus his textbook answer. He answered from his heart. You are the anointed one. You are God. You know, sometimes your education can get in your way. Don't you know, we talked about last week, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Is there anything wrong with going to college or anything wrong with going to seminary? No, but don't look to that for the anointing of God. Do you understand? It's good to learn, but don't look to that. What happens is we go to seminary and people think, well, you go to seminary, you come out of seminary, you should go pastor a church. No, this pastor thing is about anointing people. This is about calling and you don't call yourself to this. I didn't wanna be a pastor. I never been a seminary, y'all know my story. I've never been to seminary, seriously. I've never been to seminary. I just barely got out of 12th grade. Y'all know any of my fellow just barely got out of 12th grade people, raise your hand. Come on now, y'all know, tell the truth. You're in church. I just barely got out of 12th grade. Man, shoot, and I didn't want, I didn't wanna go into the ministry. That's not what I wanted to do. I didn't prepare. People ask me all the time, all the time, what school did you go to? What seminary? (laughs) What college did you go to? Harvard. You know, all these schools and stuff. I go, no. What school did you go to? Oh, I went to UHS. UHS? Oh, we've never heard of this. (laughs) UHS, what is this college? What is this seminary? I say UHS, I went to the University of the Holy Spirit. And they go, oh, <laughs> that's all I know. I didn't have time for college. I had Cheerios to put on the table for the kids. I didn't have time for college. Anything I know, I know it because he taught it to me. Anything I've learned, I've learned because you talk. that's what people tell me. They ask me all the time. Well, do you mind if I take this comment from you? And do you mind if I say this and, and, you know, that kind of thing? I, it, it, look, you can say whatever you hear me say, because trust me, it didn't come from me anyway. It came from him. You can have it. I hear people selling their sermons. Have you ever heard that before? Anybody, anybody, people sell, y'all don't know that. People sell their sermons. They sell them. You can go online and purchase people's sermon. Why would you purchase? Why would somebody sell something that they got from God? Did God sell it to you? Why would anybody sell something that came from the Lord? Peter just answered from the heart. Notice in verse 21, we got to move on. Jesus strictly warned. You're looking at verse 21. Jesus strictly warned and commanded them not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Jesus says now is not the time for PR work. Why? Because they had a conviction in their hearts, but they didn't understand the full implications of Jesus being the Messiah. Many Jews were looking for a Messiah who was going to set them free from Roman oppression and not set them free from sin and death. And so they had a witness in their hearts without fully understanding it was in time. And Jesus went on to tell them what he really came to do. Look at verse 22. The son of man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. You know what I have written in my Bible next to verse 22? the gospel. The gospel. Don't you see that? This is the gospel message. The son of man must suffer, be rejected, killed, and raised. That's the gospel message right there in a nutshell. So this is the first time that Jesus openly, clearly said, I'm going to die. Now again, look at me. Matthew chapter 16, it was at this point that when Jesus started telling the disciples that he was going to die, the Bible tells us that Peter took Jesus aside. Can you imagine this? Jesus says, I'm going to die. Peter, you got to love Peter. You just got to love him because he's just like you. So he takes Jesus aside and says, Jesus, Jesus goes over, he goes, Jesus, you've got to stop talking about the dying stuff. I mean, it's not good. It's not, it's it's turning people off. And not only that, but it's a negative confession. You got to stop talking about this. And then Jesus said to Peter, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. You're trying to hinder the work of God. You see, this is why Jesus is saying don't tell anybody because they can't get their heads around this. Look at verse 23. Jesus said, if you are going to follow me, you have to do three things. Somebody help me. Number one, deny yourself. Number two, take up your cross. Are y'all not reading this? Number one, do what? Deny yourself. Number two, take up your cross. And then finally, number three, follow me. Deny yourself first of all. Now understand something. Jesus isn't talking about self-denial. He's talking about denial of self. There is a huge difference. There is a huge chasm between those two statements. He's not talking about self-denial. You know, there's a lot of people who practice self-denial. Jenny Craig. Okay, y'all with me now? Okay. They practice self-denial. Well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I won't do this. People, if you're training for the Olympics, well, that's self-denial. When in fact, listen, you're epitomizing self. You are denying yourself certain foods so you can look a certain way. What Jesus is talking about is denial of self. Denial of self, if you're taking notes, is setting aside your own interests and yielding your life to someone else. Denial of self is essentially giving Jesus the steering wheel. Denial of self is simply to dethrone self and enthrone God. I'm going to say it again. It's to dethrone self and enthrone God. It means saying, Lord, my life belongs to you. You are the king of my life and I will do what you want me to do. Again. I didn't want to pastor a church. I didn't know anything about pastoring the church. I still don't know anything about pastoring the church. Don't y'all all run out of here right now. Y'all like, no. I'll, I don't know. I'm just learning as I go. I'm just trusting the Lord and being led by the Holy spirit. That's it. I don't know what this afternoon holds. I don't know anything. I'm just trusting the Lord to lead me and to guide me and to say, Lord, you are the king of my heart and you direct my life. Again, I did not want to pastor a church. I, I taught the Bible for years and I've always loved to teach the Bible. And it seems like God gave me that gift that, you know, that's my gift. You have your gift. My gift is teaching the Bible. When I first became a Christian, I always could read the Bible and I always could understand it. It was really, really weird because I was a really bad student in school. I hated to read. The teachers was like, "Read!" I went to Catholic school. Them nuns was tough. They ain't play. I have good penmanship. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Where my people at? I sound like Kirk Franklin. Where my people at? But I didn't want to pastor a church. I wanted to, I wanted to do music. I wanted to sing gospel music. I wanted to make albums and I wanted to do Christian videos and that kind of thing. I did not, I had no intentional pastor a church. I would just teach people the Bible and that was it. And, and, and I've always, God always, I always had really large Bible studies. Always. No matter where I taught, it was, they were always really large. A lot of people always came and listened. And, and Elvira, she was always, you know, Elvira used to tell me all the time, she used to go, you know what? you just running from God. You, know, she would do this all the time. Cause I'm like working on my music. I'm focused on my music. I'm teaching Bible study at the same time. And Elvira could see that God was calling me to, to just focus on him and to, to get myself to the place of denial of self, of what I wanted to do. She would look at me and she go, oh, you, you, you're just running from God. You run from God. I go, what do you mean I'm running from God? You know, you need to be teaching that word and doing what God told you to do, and you just doing music. You running from God. You running from God. And I used to get so mad. And the reason I got so mad was because she was right. But I wasn't going to tell her she was right. No way, fellas. You know what I'm talking about. You could be as right as rain. I am not going to tell you you're right. She goes, You just running from God. You know, my mom, my mother. She calls me up. Oh, child, I had a vision. You were in the pulpit. You were in the pulpit. This was 20 years ago. You were in the pulpit preaching the word of God. I said, Mom, what did you eat for dinner last night? (laughs) Because I didn't want anything to do with this. This is not what I wanted to do. But I had to, to, to get myself off of the throne, to dethrone self and enthrone God. You might have the thing that you want to do, but is that what God wants you to do? That's called denial of self. Jesus said, listen, if you are going to be a follower of me, you're going to have to deny yourself complete surrender and submission to the Lord. Point number two, then you have to take up your cross. Listen, when the disciples heard that, they knew exactly what he was talking about. We actually had no idea. But they knew exactly what he was talking about. You see, the cross to them was an image of death. To us, we kind of romanticized the cross. Some of us have a gold cross around our neck right now. Some of us got diamond-crusted crosses. It's so nice. It's so nice. It was a gift. So nice. We romanticize the cross to them. Represented death. It's almost like in our mind, the cross would represent, if we had it correct, would be represent like a a, 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 a gas chamber. Are you with me? A gas chamber. You know, we, re- we romanticize the cross. We sing songs about it. Oh, how I love the old rugged cross. We sing songs about it. We should sing. I love to sing. Here's what If we had it right in our minds. We would sing. I love to sing about the stale old gas chamber or there's room in the gas chamber for you, (laughs) right? You understand? See, if you were crucified, you would have actually preferred the gas chamber because it was faster and more humane. Crucifixion and the cross was a slow, agonizing, shameful, painful death. One doctor said the shortest crucifixion they found, get this, was 32 hours and the longest one was 13 days. And the pictures that we see of people on the cross high up in the air, listen, they were actually lower to the ground. So low that jackals would come and eat their feet while they were alive. Now we've all heard people say, you know, I've got everybody got their cross to bear, I have my cross to bear. One guy told me that he said he said his bad marriage was his cross to bear. Another guy, I'm, I'm not kidding you. One guy told me he said, My mother in law is my cross to bear. I said, Well, then that one I can understand. I mean <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> My mother-in-law's my cross to bear. Listen, that's not your cross. That's not your cross. You know what they call that? Life. Welcome to life. Taking up your cross, if you're taking notes, means you identify with Christ and his rejection, his shame, his suffering, his death, his sacrifice, and you're willing to suffer any pain or shame or to do whatever the Lord tells you to do. And then finally, saints, follow me. Follow me in the Greek language is in the present tense. It means it's an ongoing decision you make to follow Jesus daily. Keep following him. Follow Jesus in a constant obedience in the same direction, step by step every day, step by step in the morning, in the afternoon, you make a conscious decision to follow Jesus. It's a commitment that's made once and for all that has an effect forever. And then finally, in verses 24 through 26, Jesus tells us why we should deny ourselves and follow him. For whosoever, go ahead and look at it in verse 24 through 26, whoever will save his life will what? Lose it. But if you lose your life for Christ's sake, you will what? You got it. It was Jim Elliot who said, he is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool to give what he cannot keep, your life, to gain what you cannot lose, salvation. I love that. Verse 25, for what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What would it profit you if you had Steve Jobs' money? Anita, the Matt guru person. All I know is he got a lot of money. What would it profit you to have Oprah money? But lose your soul. Don't you understand? You can't take it with you. I don't care what you have. I don't care how wealthy you are. You cannot take it with you. Somebody once said, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You can't take it with you. I've done funerals and people putting money in the casket and gold in the casket and diamonds in the casket and putting that stuff. Don't put that stuff in that casket and it, it ain't, they can't use it. You can't take it with you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how large you are in this world. What would it profit? Life is a vapor. I know. Somebody just called me this morning and told me their husband it's gone. He was a Christian, so he moved. Amen. He didn't die. He moved. Amen. A new zip code. Life. Is so what would it profit you to gain the whole world? But you stand before Jesus only to hear those words. I never knew you depart from me. What would it profit? a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul. Listen, there's a cost of following Jesus. You, you know, you think salvation was free. It was free to you, but, but, but it was a cost to Jesus. You know, Martin Luther said a religion that gives nothing, costs, nothing suffers. Nothing is worth nothing. I think that's true. So the most important question as we come in for a landing The most important question that we all have to answer, what do you say about Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? Notice it doesn't say, who does your preacher daddy say Jesus is? Are you with me? Notice it doesn't say, what does your grandma or your grandpa say about Jesus? Who does your auntie say? What does she say about Jesus? It says, who do you say that I am? You see, the first question isn't that important. Who do people say I am? Well, that's not that important. But the second question is very important because your destiny is attached to this question. What do you say? Your perceptions are attached to this question. The quality of your life is attached to this question. This question is the eternal hinge of a person's life, how you answer this question determines your destiny. I love this book, and I love Jesus, and I love, if you love him, you ought to clap your hands. I think you should. I do. And I love, I love how Jesus just gets right to the heart of the matter, The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923.
1: Maybe.